Hello and welcome everyone. This is ADV Amanda Vollmer here from Yum Naturals Emporium and Yummy.Doctor and I have a special treat for you today because I have the illustrious artist and author Sol Luckman uh, with me today and if you haven't heard about him before actually I've I heard about Sol like geez maybe 10 years ago I, it must have been because I remember uh, reading some really powerful information and um, and books from him back when I was in naturopathic college. He's amassed a huge amount of work. He is a visual artist as well as an award-winning author. He has a gallery on his crowrising.com website. You can go and see all his incredible art. And actually the picture here is uh, self-portrait, so you get an idea. <laughs> He's got uh, quite a number of books. We're gonna talk about uh, a couple of them today. Conscious Healing is one of them, and that's a free read online. And if you go to crowrising.com, you can click on that and you can have a read. The one that I've been uh, going through recently is called Potentiate Your DNA, and we're, we're gonna get into that one. It's translated also in Spanish. He has a visionary novel called Snooze, A Story of Awakening, and it's a coming of age tale about a boy always awakening into this world and all of the the reality of his dreams and he won a prize for that in 2015 so that's that's really fascinating and kudos to you and then he has another novel called Callie D the Destroyer uh, that one is got a very powerful cover actually on it and it's like a sci-fi page turner sort of Orwellian story talking about the dystopic current reality goes into uh, Gnosticism and the origins of earth and humanity he's got the angels dictionary that was also there's a prize for that in 2017 also 2018 there was another international book award so I'd say he's doing pretty well he has had a really incredible spiritual experience that's pulled into the potentiate your DNA with an actual healing modality involved. I really want to talk about that. One of the things that I connected with with soul was about Kundalini awakenings. I had mine in 2000. I had a full Kundalini awakening in 2000. I'm trained in uh, applied kinesiology, which is like muscle testing essentially, and soul is very in tune with that as well. Some of my discussions are about very physical or biochemical aspects of the human frame and the human body. But really, we are spiritual beings and we need to address this. We need to probably address it even more than ever before. And that's where this is going to go in this discussion today. So welcome, Sol. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to be with me. Oh, thank you for having me and for taking time to lay out some of that bio. That was interesting to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've done a lot. And I know for someone who creates a lot, it's, it's hard to actually summarize a bio because when you're more eclectic in, in, in your knowledge, it's hard to just write it in like a 2D format. Sometimes it sounds like you've had an incredible journey so far. You've, you have a lot of creativity flowing through you. So what brought you to this sort of place in your life where you're connected to the divine and to source and a lot of information kind of flows through you? So why don't you just tell the audience about um, sort of your process and, and a little bit of your history so we can just get a bearing on you and, and what you bring. Sure, that's a really that's a really big envelope there, but I guess I should start out by saying that I was an academic. I was, I was in graduate school. I was working on a degree in, in literature and I got um, travel jabs and uh, within a, I was going down to Brazil at the time to work on uh, my dissertation research. And within a relatively short period of time of those uh, getting those jabs, I, I came down with this mysterious autoimmune type of illness. 
and had all kinds of allergies to foods and environmental conditions and even electromagnetic things. That was, uh, that was my falling off the cliff from being a healthy uh, 20-something to a really sick 20-something. And uh, it happened during my Saturn return. <laughs> okay. Didn't know anything about that, so uh, so it was a it was a pretty in, intense uh, journey that I went on. A lot of Chiron in my chart. It's a, you know I, I'm all over the place with that with that kind of thing. Truly, the wounded healer. And I spent uh, the better part of a decade sick, trying to get well, spending all kinds of money I didn't have, basically spending my student loan money, you know, on trying to to get well. And just digging myself ever deeper without actually making much progress at all. And then eventually I happened upon the world of allergy elimination technique, the various kinds, and kinesiology. And I began exploring that as a client of someone who was doing that kind of work. It helped me some. It got me very interested. And then I eventually became a practitioner having trained with this same person. Then I, be, I went in my own direction eventually where I, I got really interested in, in DNA. I was doing all kinds of kinesiology on, on a lot of different clients. I began to realize that not all people are the same energetically. It, that's really a myth, this this idea that we all have the same energetic structure. We're actually quite different. There, I, I determined ultimately that there are 12 different families of energy people. We call them uh, electromagnetic groups, even though it's not really electromagnetic. It's more like a torsion or, or scalar type of energy that I'm talking about. And uh, that 12 uh, appears to correspond to the cranial nerves. It's almost as if those, those 12 families make up the collective mind of humanity. Is that based on like astrology? Well, uh, you know, the 12 is important. I mean, really, I like a lot of the, um, the Mayan work and Kalaman's, uh, Carl Johan Kalaman's work was very interesting. 12, I think, is a limited, limited and limiting number. It's kind of holographic. It traps us in many ways into into time and linearity. 13 is, a, is really the number that you want to get at. So uh, I suppose mm -hmm. if you bring the 12 together into one being, that creates 13 ultimately. Yes. So if you can unite humanity, then you get 13. But if you don't unite humanity, you're stuck in 12. Fascinating. When I had a spiritual teacher who walked into my life and lived with me for a full year, she talked about a similar thing where you have a council of 12, but really it's the 13th. It's the, the 13th is the, the escape was the the portal to yep. to the yep. access and there's little pieces little clues about that if you just look at the demonization of 13 as in friday the 13th for example this sort of that that tactic uh, don't look there you almost always should look where they tell you not to look because that's where truth lies usually yes so you know i did a lot of uh, research into to DNA, its relationship to sound, its relationship to, to language. I had various teachers, uh, official and unofficial, on that path. I had a wonderful partner, Lee, who was uh, involved in all this kinesiology and the brainstorming and the putting together of these concepts. And eventually we traveled back to Brazil together. I was very sick at that time, but I, we were intuitively prompted to, to go there. And I said goodbye to my family. I didn't know if I would see them again, frankly. Uh, I had lost a lot of weight. I was really quite thin and, and just and not in good health at all. And on that trip, we had a, a series of really esoteric, metaphysical, spiritual, visionary experiences culminating in a, an encounter with light beings, or at least lights, I assume they were beings, that shined on us. And when we slept that night, we began downloading information uh linguistic codes uh vowel sequences that we were we were instructed or given to understand we were supposed to chant in a certain way and when we did that suddenly i began to heal 
just mm -hmm. it was incredible. And so within a very short period of time, I, I was able to eat foods again that I hadn't been able to eat. Uh, uh, my environmental sensitivities and allergies began to go away and that just went on and on and on. There was a lot of detox involved as well. So there, there was a tremendous amount of energy that was unleashed by doing this work. And that became potentiation, which is the first uh, DNA activation in the regenetics method, which which evolved over a period of years after that. And since then, I've written two books on the subject. I've shared that, this information with a lot of people throughout the world. I mean, we worked with clients, uh, I don't know, in certainly over 100 countries, many, many countries, uh, thousands and thousands of clients all over the world. We've trained uh, a number of facilitators. We have, uh, right now, I think we have two facilitators in Australia, and uh, we have some in Europe and the United States, other places, Hawaii. And so it's been a it's been a very interesting journey of unfoldment to see people respond to this work and what it can do for them. It's so wide ranging. It it it's it's energy work, but it can really impact the physical body in profound ways. And then, of course, it can do all kinds of things for for the mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies. That is your um, Phoenix Center for Regenetics, correct? Then? And you have a website, uh, Phoenix Regenex uh, org. And right. is that where people can find out how to do the activations and have a facilitator and all of that sort of thing? Right, right. Um, they can, there's different ways of experiencing this work. The first activation, potentiation, is what I teach in Potentiate Your DNA. It's a do-it-yourself book. So you can buy the book in English or Spanish and you can read it and do it for yourself or your family, your pets, your businesses, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It works for just anything. The second way of experiencing it is to schedule a one-on-one a, a -on -one session either with Lee and myself or with another facilitator. And the third way is to experience potentiation is we offer a, a monthly worldwide potentiation ceremony. It's a virtual thing. We work with people in a large group from all over the world and that's on a sliding scale so you can experience that for free if you like. And when do those run? That's usually the first Sunday of every month. Uh, I think that's different this go around because we're traveling. I'm out. I'm out west right now, and so we're we're on a slightly different schedule. Do you have uh, a mailing list, and and that's how you communicate uh, your group? Healing? Yeah, we have we have a, a mailing list that we've built over the years, and we email back and forth with people who sign up for let's say the worldwide uh, ceremony, and there's, so there's you get uh, introductory information, how to prepare for the session, and then follow up information. We also have a forum that you can pay $25 to, for a lifetime fee to join. And there's just a ton of information on there. The forum's been going for over a decade at this point. So there's a lot of uh, searchable information there. Wow, that's uh, very powerful. And and so the, the chanting I noticed or the, the, the vibration is based on vowels. Yeah, uh, the five English vowels. What do you feel was the, the gift in that? Like, what is that doing? To, is this an energy field retuning, or how? How did you know what it was doing to the DNA itself? Like, what what was the feedback with that? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question, and I mean, there's different ways of approaching approaching it. Uh, in the research I had been doing before we actually developed the work, so in the lead up to that, during the, the kinesiology phase where we worked with a lot of different people, it became clear to me that the the, the five vowels actually lined up with the four, the four um, DNA nucleotide bases and the RNA nucleotide base. It suggested to me even before this work came through that you could use vowels to 
actually speak to the DNA and, and instruct it to do things. As I began understanding what I think of is, as, the, as the physics in which we live, which is a reciprocal environment where we live in, we live in one reality that is space-time and there is a parallel reality that is time-space and they are reciprocally related so that here DNA is a molecule, but there it's a wave. Here we live in the manifestation but there exists the blueprint. And what connects the two realms, biologically speaking, is DNA. So that when you speak to the DNA, you can tell the DNA in essence, okay, go look at your blueprint over in the other realm, the time and time space, but that would be in the shamanism terms, that would be like the Nahual. Go look at the, the, the blueprint and look for distortions, look for problems and heal them, correct them. And when you do that, the blueprint is what is always creating our experience of reality. So it immediately starts to, the energy from the blueprint, the renewed blueprint begins to flow back through the DNA and it begins creating, in essence, epigenetic changes. But because it's, it's not an epigenetic phenomenon, meaning you don't have to have necessarily positive thoughts or change your lifestyle for it to affect you, and, you're, and because you're working at the blueprint level as opposed to the environmental level. So you are in the phenomenon, not in the epiphenomenon, if that makes sense. Because you're doing that, I called it regenetics. And then in the larger field, I called it metagenetics because it's above and beyond genetics. It's what gives rise to genetics. What are the repercussions of, of the work that you've seen? Um, obviously, you helped heal your own vaccine injuries. And uh, I think Lee also had some miraculous uh, healings with uh, asthma and that sort of thing. Uh, yep. What have you seen people, uh, how they've responded? You know, we've had a lot of time to observe that. And we've, we've, we've seen everything from very little to just absolutely miraculous things. And it's, 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 a, it's a whole subject, you know, to wonder what, why those changes would, why things would be different. Uh, among different people and you know it's led me to speculate on things like soul contracts and all sorts of things in terms of what's actually limiting people's healing ability but on the on the other side you have such incredible life-changing things that have happened in terms of uh, people uh, you know reporting that they just their their fibromyalgia went away their chronic fatigue uh, we've had a really interesting uh, feedback with uh, from people with autistic children uh, allergies is very very common you know life changes uh, at, a, at a core level in terms of life path you know people who might feel that they were not on the right path and suddenly they are and then everything opens up mental processing insomnia depression all of these amazing outcomes there's a testimonial section on on the phoenix regenetics website you know that just goes for many pages and that's just a fraction we we've not i don't think we've posted testimonials in in year and they just keep coming in there's a lot of information over on the forum too where people share their experiences this is really a type of a sound therapy in a sense is is that a correct uh, way to assess what's happening i do think of it as a sound therapy except you don't have to be present to hear it for it to happen people experiencing mm -hmm. this work typically are not actually hearing it because it's being done at a distance it's being done ceremonially ceremonially it doesn't use the telephone or anything like that it is sound therapy, but it's, I, I consider it to be sound and in the time-space realm. Once that sound translates over into that realm, it becomes a torsion energy, and that's a non-local uh, instantaneous energy that uh, doesn't respect time or distance. 
Right. The distance one's easy because you're working with people all over the place and they're having all of these amazing things. But the time thing is interesting too, because very often people will feel this work begin to happen as soon as they decide they're going to do it. <laughs> it's very funny because um, I've trained in lots of different Reiki modalities. Um, and one of the ones that I really found uh, helpful was angelic Reiki. And I use it a lot. And I found almost the distance to be more powerful in a sense because people's minds aren't getting all up in, you know, the way. And as soon as they would book the session, they would say they started to notice changes. Yeah, we get that all the time. And the other reason I think it might be more powerful is from a facilitator standpoint is that you don't create undue attachment. Right to the person or to outcomes. And Larry Dossie's work is very clear in looking at the science on prayer and, and it's how, it, how it's most effective is that, that, that non-attachment, the, the non-attachment of the prayer <laughs> is extremely important. Yes, you can involve yourself. It's like the double slit experiment where you can affect the outcome of the experiment by the thoughts that you have. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's something that's limiting or constrictive about having attachment to outcomes. So the outcomes go through the bad slit, you know, that, that's, that's not what you want. Well, that's the same idea as well with the non-locality principle with things like the Rife uh, technologies and some of these uh, distance uh, tech that can send it to your DNA. So you have a finger uh, clipping, fingernail clipping, put it in the machine and it's sending a frequency to the DNA inside of that material and it, uh, it doesn't matter the time and distance as much and even with time for that can be delayed and even the other way where you've you've set it in motion they don't notice for even a month or so that something has happened so. we see that too yeah there's mm -hmm. often like a, what we call like a little um you know um almost um for a period of about a month sometimes where things are just kind of bubbling up and getting ready to go and then suddenly all of this happens but having said that sometimes it's just instantaneous and remarkable you know i mean yeah. there, there's multiple uh testimonials we, we've received from people who had very bad allergies on the the day before their potentiation and the day after they're just all gone it's almost like it comes up as a healing crisis um, mm -hmm. to present itself. It's just fascinating because there's so much we have been shrouded, you know, that we don't know about this this place, this realm, and uh, our, our powers, really. Um, That's I know right. It, That's I right. Know you mentioned about, um, you know, the chakras, our energy bodies, and the Kundalini experience, and, and that sort of knowledge. Do you go into that at all in, in any of your books? Oh, yes, absolutely. There's there's lengthy discussions of the of the chakras in relation to the auric fields. I think of the auric fields actually as being sonic in nature. So that's sound and the chakras are light based. So that's light and they, the, the grid, the interface that they create. I, I, I speak of each level of each intersection of that of that energy uh, body as an ecosystem. So so you deal with ecosystems and what we realize is that each of those ecosystems regulates or manages or controls uh, a very large group of related or interrelated phenomena. So that, let's say the third chakra with the third field, that ecosystem in one group of people would have to do with controlling, let's say, the immune system and uh, would 
involve uh, maybe exosomes. Uh, there would be fear-based emotions in that field. There would be uh, cancer would be a, a, an illness that would happen when that field goes bad. Okay, and so there's this, and so we provide schematics of all of this for people going through the process because the process sends you through these ecosystems. You the energy from this work travels through the ecosystems. We give schematics and timelines for people to chart where they are at any given time during the nine month process that you have a session that goes for about nine months, 42 weeks, during which you travel through the ecosystems and we teach you how to read what's happening in those ecosystems. Classic example might be someone's doing fine, they're fine, they're fine. They've had some lung problems in the past and they hit the sixth ecosystem, for example, which is where lungs, respiratory system, bacteria and heavy metals are, are all there. <laughs> and suddenly they're blowing stuff out. It's coming out. And the day they go into the system, to that ecosystem, it's, it starts to happen. Was the charting in the in that ecosystem structure part of your initial, uh, you know, download of this process, or was that something that came later as everything started to develop? No, that was early on during the kinesiology phase when we were realizing you had these different groups of people with different energy structures, and and so we began mapping those out, and then we realized that you the same potentiation session would actually work for each group, but the way that the group would experience it would be different because they have a different energy structure. And do you also work with tuning forks as well or, or encourage the, their use? Yes, uh, we use the six original solfeggio notes in this work. Potentiation uses the me note, which is 528 hertz. Mm -hmm. So the way you actually do the work is you ring the tuning fork then you take a deep breath and then you chant. You chant the vowels. And as you're chanting one line of vowels out loud, you're thinking another corresponding line of vowels just in your mind silently. So what that does is it puts you into a kind of theta state where you automatically upgrade your healing ability. And what is the, the power of the solfeggio scale? What is it specifically that, that it's being used for? Different notes in that sixth note scale have different properties. So the me note is very related to DNA and to our kind of core essence. So when you're using that note with the, with the vowels, the note increases the effectiveness of using the vowels. Having said that, the vowels are much more powerful than the note. So you're enhancing the, the yes. vowel note with yes. the tone, okay. And how long do you, um, in the process, uh, what kind of commitment for people who might be interested in, in learning this modality, what is their time commitment for practicing? That's really individualized. Some people pick it up really fast and other people take longer. Uh, you, obviously, the, you would start by reading the book. And I'm not sure how many pages Potentiate Your DNA is, but it's maybe 300 pages or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. So depending on how fast you can read, you know, you might read it in a day or two or a week or a month. It just, uh, who knows? Uh, and then and then, how good are you at multitasking and that sort of thing? And how confident are you with, with singing or with chanting and that kind of thing? And how much time uh, can you devote to it uh, I've, we've had people who've learned it in, in, a, in a matter of days. We've had other people who have practiced it for weeks or even months to get confident with it. It's going to start working pretty fast. I, we think of um, all the thousands of potentiations that have been done over the last many years 
have created a sort of uh, sort of like a, a morphic database for that. So when you start singing this, it just begins to download that file. Yes, it's very powerful when you have many people putting energy into the same word, phrase, or idea. You right. can tap into it. So even if you, let's say, screw it up a little bit, you're probably still going to get a lot of benefit. Is it safe for, you know, pregnant women, which will have like mixed DNA in their bodies or anything? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in fact, when, when women are pregnant, their, their, their child actually begins the process as well. So if, it, if the child is in utero at that time, they will, they will begin potentiating. There's an interesting sort of side movement of people who are denying that DNA exists. And uh, it's tough for, for people who, you know, had lots of different experiences to, to try to explain it because some of the work I do is to help people understand that the germ theory is false and right. that, you know, viruses don't exist as, as described and so forth and, and how it's our terrain and our vibration that actually, in our emotions that actually create our illnesses and our nutritional problems and so forth. But what's happened is I think it's gotten carried away with. And so I get a lot of flack about, you know, well, you, how do you know DNA exists? Is it just a mathematical construct? To explain it to them in that regard, right? But we've, we have been able to manipulate the DNA as well. You can call it what you will, but we have been able to, to utilize DNA, you know, in laboratories and so forth and make changes. So you would think that that would be enough evidence to prove that it's a real yeah. thing. You know. But I, get, I, I think the problem is when you are diving down a lot of these rabbit holes, you can get in certain eddies. And I think where their problem is, is that just like the ball earth, all you get are cartoons. And when you go to look up DNA, all you get are cartoons, right? I get that. But having a genetics you know, degree, I know that we've been able to take DNA matter and isolate it and then manipulate things in a certain way. So... And that's, Maybe that's very different from what, what they've been able to do with quote-unquote viruses, which is none of the above. Exactly, right. I mean, so we're really talking about apples and oranges. I mean, don't you feel like that because of all the lies we've been exposed to, that there is a certain mindset among people who are thinking people, you know, let's mm -hmm. give them credit, who automatically assume that everything is a lie? Yes, of course. And I think that's what's happening in this case. Yeah, we have to have proper discernment and we learn that through our intuition and our gut and all of these things. And we know, I mean, we do know that everything is a lie in this place. Obviously, they've hidden our truth from us and our history as well. And when it's um, an outright lie, it is a it is a fragment of the truth that we're not told, for example, that the DNA is not just a molecule of some kind, that it's actually this holographic, essentially digitized multi multi uh universal phenomenon put into this tiny box that the, you know it's back into the materialism and empiricism and dna is just some kind of molecule well no it, it's it, it is that at the very end of its journey that's what dna is yeah i think that's i get the skepticism and i can appreciate it but at the same time we have to um go deeper into the knowledge that maybe they don't want, they put out the cartoons to be consistent for one with their cartooning and two, that uh, they really don't want you to know the full glory of it. Right. And what it really is. That's what um, I think. I think that's the what idea I think. That, that that's the portal to, to some kind of positive mutation of the species and that kind of thing. They, they, that's what they want to shut down. Yes. And possibly as well that they've manipulated our DNA already to the, 
to where we are today from what we once were and what happens when we fix that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, the I've since gotten onto more of a Gnostic path. And so I've kind of gotten off the Anunnaki, Adamo, mm-hmm. I, I think that's all a narcotic lie. But um, I don't think our DNA was ever created by or affected in any major way by extraterrestrial beings. No. I, I think that we live on a sentient planet that is responsible for protecting us from that kind of thing, ultimately. And and even even though we have a lot of weird stuff going on right now with um, all, all of these uh, immunizations or quote unquote, um, <laughs> you know, we know from from various uh, scientific sources in the in in, in, in the non-mainstream science, but it's very much there that you have these incredibly strange phenomena where you stick a pyramid, which is a torsion energy generator on some land. And all of a sudden, all around it, these flowers sprout up and those are extinct flowers. So it's very much possible to undo all of this genetic damage that's being done right now. I have an uh, an article on my website, uh, my my blog, it's snoozetoawaken.com and it's called Immunize Yourself Against Vaccine Injury (laughs) with the Regenetics (laughs) Method. Nice. Because I know that that's what happened to me, uh, that my, my DNA was altered by vaccines. And we know that it does that. I mean, even from their science, we know it does that. Yeah, I mean, they, they will they will use their fact checkers to debunk it if it doesn't fit their narrative. But their science is abundantly clear that that's their quote unquote science is abundantly clear that that's what's happening. And with everything going on today, this is even more powerful to really get uh, learned on because we need more tools that are basically free, right? I mean, what happens if people lose their jobs? A lot lot of people are uh, losing their incomes and need to find solutions for their health that are uh, easily accessible. And learning about these vibrational therapies are extremely powerful and to protect yourself against, um, well, not even against. I think what's happening is really a resurgence in like a major healing crisis going on here. Like the shadow is being realized in in 3D. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, I, like that. I like that. Yeah, like this deep awakening is actually going on, and the apocalypse is seeing all the dark shadows that have been just hidden from us that we are partly in, in, responsible for creating, and that we need to go through this healing crisis. But how we do it is we rise above it and we we shower love upon it and and we um, transmute it, if you will, rather than have to live through the drudgery of the shadow work. We, we embrace what we were and and we accept the mistakes and we forgive ourselves and we go through all of that self-love really ultimately. So if we can shift our vibration or our frequency rather, then we are almost invisible to that at that point. And we can peer in from a new perspective and, clear it quickly. I think that's why healing happens so much more rapidly when you approach it from the emotional and the, and the vibrational aspects. Would you, would you agree with that? Oh, I agree with everything you said. You said it beautifully. Uh, Lee and I talk all the time about how this work is about raising your personal vibration, your energy field, your, yeah. and what we call attractor fields so that you you deflect things that you don't want and you attract things to you that you do want. It's extremely empowering in that way. And I mean, if enough people received this work or anything like it and began moving in that, that direction towards greater consciousness, 
towards unity consciousness, that sort of thing, the world will change overnight. Yeah, because we just spoke earlier how there's really no time and no space, right? Right, right. I mean, you know, you you can, in fact, you can travel around. I mean, uh, Snooze was all about time travel. And in the other realm, uh, Max, my, my uh, protagonist in that novel, he travels to the dream world, time-space. Mm-hmm. And he meets various people and beings over there. And they have a saying that encapsulates what I'm, I'm talking about when I say unity consciousness. And it's very simple. It's, it's a greeting. It's a valediction. It's a blessing. It is simply, I see myself in you. That's like Ho'oponopono, which is, uh, again, you can heal through the hologram, through the holographic reality of ourselves, which I guess would relate into the, the DNA understanding of, of the hologram. Oh, yeah. When I, when I first encountered that work, it made me think that way about it. Yes. Yeah. It's even using language to do something from a DNA perspective. So it's not mm-hmm. just a thought process necessarily. Do you think that the English language is, is a problem? I think that's what is so special about the vowels because they, they belong to what I consider to be the, la- the language of the birds, which is this ancient pre kind of, uh, kind of a pre language, um, from, from maybe a, a different, uh, part of our, our, our prehistory, um, that is, is the healing language. It is the language of transformation. And, and what would be original sound, right? What would, if you had no influences on yourself, what would you say first or what would you be using as sound to communicate? The theory here is that the vowels are the creational code that created the universe and that created our bodies. So, that, so the vowels are the word of God, basically. And, or the goddess, yeah. maybe. Even in Gnosticism, you have a God figure called the originator. Hmm. And this figure did create even the, the, the lesser gods, you know, like, like Mother Earth, for example. So, so, but they all use this language as well, in, in, my, in my understanding, my theory, to fashion their realities that they were in charge of. So when we ended up with the goddess as our planet, according to Gnosticism, she would have been an adept at the language of the birds in creating uh, genetic life forms like us. So really, we have to look to the myth for a lot of the information, right? Because it's embedded in myth. Once again, don't look there, ridicule that, debunk that, call that mm-hmm. infantile. And all of a sudden, you know, that's that's a place of great fecundity. Uh, don't, don't, you know, don't pay attention to what those crazy primitive shamans are doing. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it just, it's just everywhere. It, everything that, everything that we were being told to do is the opposite of what we should be doing at least we know that as a guide post we know it's 180 the other way <laughs> so we can we can use that to help us navigate some of these incredible levels of lying and, and deceiving absolutely well that's really what my new book is about Callie the destroyer is all about the the grand deception it's about the pandemic it's about it was actually i downloaded the whole book before the pandemic started. I, got, I was given the plot before it broke in the West. Wow. And I began writing it while it was happening. And what I was writing and had been given was what was happening down to all the vaccine stuff. It's a, just incredible. It's just really wild. And so I was, I was, I was asked to write this book. It's a very Gnostic uh, novel. And it is about the, the nature of the planet as the goddess and our relationship to the goddess as our mother and the birth of the luminous child in humanity, which is the awakened human human in as a 
not just as an individual, but as a as a more unified consciousness. And I don't mean communism at all. Mm -hmm. I mean I mean individuals standing together. Some of the areas I've been researching are the Tartaria and some of the old the old world, which is um, quite glorious. And there's evidence that we were united um, in this world before you know a cataclysm has happened. And I, I encountered that too. And I think there may be something to that. If, even if that's true, mm -hmm. there's this idea in Gnosticism that our true uh, next level manifestation, it's never been reached. That, yeah. that, that we, are, we are meant to go beyond anything we've ever experienced as humanity. Oh, that's wonderful to hear because, you know, part of my mourning was, was realizing this, that we've been sinking or feeling like we've lost, you know, feeling like we lost what we had, free energy and all this really amazing tech and this universality of, of humankind and all of these wonderful things. I felt, I felt my heart breaking when I started to uncover some of this, but to hear that is interesting because it's like we're forever growing. The spiral never ends. We're just unearthing lies and change and shadow work and all of this to rise even higher and, and have something that we could, maybe we would get bored, you know, of, of, of what we had and we needed a change, right? There must be some rational reason of why we would tear down something so beautiful um, and go through the muck as we have. It goes back to this this latest book, the, the Callie the Destroyer. It's it's about it's about what is evil, who are our oppressors, who is the real enemy here of humanity, and I think without answering those questions in a very definitive way, it's hard to know what we're up against, and it's hard to overcome it. Problem of evil has been the problem, hasn't it? I mean, trying to solve what that is and what. Right. Right. And it gets what what happens with with evil is that it gets it gets etherealized mm -hmm. and it gets philosophized and it becomes something that you can't put your finger on. It's ineffable. Yeah. When actually it's a group of beings who <laughs> are parasites of the human on the human mind. And that's what evil is. You can put it into a physical form now. You can actually have something yeah. concrete. Yeah, and I don't mean human beings. I mean extraterrestrials. These. This is what Gnosticism tells us: is that the, is that the goddess, when she became the goddess, had a very traumatic experience where she fell out of galactic center. She spun through space. As she did so, she freaked out. She was clutching the template for humanity to her breast, and. Uh, so we were with her, but we weren't here yet. And the in her in her panic, she created a race of Borg-like, uh, half organic beings called Archons. These were her first children, so they are our older brothers and sisters, and they are so jealous of us, and so and so hate the mother that that they sense aban uh, feel abandoned them, that they have attacked humanity and are trying to assimilate us, and that's what's going on. Well, the Borg analogy seems to fit quite well. All the transhumanism, all the vaccine stuff, it all relates to this story. Didn't Seven of Nine, she didn't want to be Borg anymore. She wanted to get all the implants out of her. Wasn't that the way they sold that story? Well, it's very, very interesting because I'm talking, I've been describing the Archons and I, I didn't go into this other storyline from Gnosticism in Callie the Destroyer, but it's fascinating. There is a group of Archons called the Paralymptors who have rejected their brethren and 
are apparently on humanity's side in this struggle. So some of the interesting positive technologies and developments that have been given to humanity over the years may, some of those may have been gifts from the paralympors. Wow. That would make sense to me that some would change uh, or heal or grow or not want that anymore. Yes. And then and then some people, some people have theorized that these beings actually live on the sun, which is very interesting because the sun uh, was initially on the side of the Lord Archon and the Archons and Gnosticism. But when the sun saw the goddess Sophia stand up to the Lord Archon and put him in his place before she uh, fell asleep and became the earth, the, the sun uh, changed allegiance and sided with the goddess and has been um, in uh, has been loyal to her ever since. And it's interesting because you know from the the flat earth model you have the wandering stars and they are they're basically demigods which are the planets and well, then like you have this, like yeah they're all demigods and they all have their own um, realm kind of that they rotate around us and that the sun and moon are actually plasma projections but they too are uh aware they're beings they're not uh you know right they're, right. they're gods or 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 goddesses right so it's the same idea that just because it looks the way it looks does and we look the way we look that doesn't mean they're not living beings because we have our own set of of, of spectrum that we see with our eyes we don't see this this whole realm how it really is we see it how we see it right Yes. And yes. so in different frequency sets, see it as like, you know, something with wings with a little halo or whatever, you know, you, you those are representations. But um, if you were in their dimension of that or you were at that frequency set, it would be very different to you. The translation has to be considered. I agree that, that you know, we we have uh, we, we perceive in, in bands and bandwidths and that things would look very different in different dimensions. I think shamanically, astrologically, yeah. a lot of uh, a lot to support the idea that, that planets, for example, are sentient beings, maybe in fact very powerful, uh, expanded beings. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm down with all of that. Yeah, it makes sense from an astrological perspective as well. Aspects of time and the different epochs we, we go through and that everything's really recorded. I always see this place as a, like earth school that we're here to grow our souls and grow our individualness. We came from oneness, but we also were given the gift of free will and we were given the gift of this unique expression of the one mm -hmm. and that we want to etch that in, in ever more forward. And that's yeah, the main John Keats and the veil of soul making, the whole school, the, you know, the soul school that we're in and, and maybe, you know, maybe our response to evil and allowing it to do what it's done to us has been on some level a, a welcoming of adversity so that we can transcend. Yes. Yes, that's how I feel with it. Now, to switch just to talk about one of your earlier books. The Angel's Dictionary? Yes. It's a, the title is a conversation with an earlier book by a very famous American writer named Ambrose Bierce. So a lot of people may have uh, read an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge in high school about someone who was, you know, having a vision and then actually was hanged and, and didn't escape. So sorry for the spoiler if you haven't read it. He's a famous writer and he wrote another, another famous book uh, of humor called The Devil's Dictionary. He was taking words and creating his own definitions 
of of those of those words. So in the in the angel dictionary, I I I was looking. This was just a few years ago, and I was looking at this descent into fascism and communism that we've experienced. You know, with tremendous acceleration over the last year or two, and I wanted to to uh, respond to the world in a satirical vein. So so uh, so I created uh, all of these um, these definitions that spoke to the world. So I'll, I'll give you a few. Here, here's one: antidepressant noun. Any of various energetic techniques for warding off parasitic friends, colleagues, and family members. <laughs> so bathroom, noun, where Americans go to argue about gender while the country goes down the toilet. <laughs> Census, noun, being counted so we can be discounted. Oh. Global warming, noun. Result of excessive hot air emissions by climate scientists. Nice. And I'll give you one more. Hospital, noun. Where the healthy go to get misdiagnosed and the sick go to get mistreated. Oh, yes. There it is. I think I, I grabbed that quote um, maybe from one of your websites. I was going to put it as the front page because that speaks to me directly. <laughs> yes, I bet you that... Uh, relates to many of your experiences. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that gives me an idea of that one. And, um, and then snooze obviously is, uh, an awakening story that we, we touched on there. Was your first one, the consciousness healing book? Conscious healing was my first book that I published. I had written uh, another really big book called beginners Luke that I published the first three of six installments of l a little bit later. And I actually never, never finished publishing those because my original vision was to publish it as one big novel. I got mm. a contract offer by a New York publisher and that was really great and everything, but they wanted to break it up into these smaller novels. And, and I thought, you know, I'll just try that myself because I just don't trust the publishing industry. And I think, you know, I, you know now that we're seeing what, what's going on in, in Hollywood and entertainment and that kind of thing, I was right not to trust the publishing industry. I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing, so I'm going to reissue the whole thing uh, based on my original vision as one big novel. So that was the second book I wrote, and then after that I wrote Potentiate Your DNA, then Snooze, and then The Angel's Dictionary, and I wrote another book that's not yet published called Musings from a Small Island, which is a memoir and an illustrated uh, book, a kind of a coffee table book, that's coming out the beginning of the, this next year. And then Callie the Destroyer just came out. It's been very interesting to be able to carve out a, a little bit of a niche doing that, you know, uh, mm -hmm. like Potentiate Your DNA just for, it was published in 09 or in 2010. I can't remember. And it just sells and sells and sells and sells and sells. It's just really amazing. It just keeps going. Well, when you do that sort of work, the godly work, the spirit work like that, and it's in integrity, that would make sense that it would just flow and be successful like this. I have I have faith with with other things, you know, released Snooze in 2014 and it won several awards and got a lot of good reviews and that kind of thing. So I'm 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 hoping that something similar can happen with Callie the Destroyer. I think Callie is actually a much more important book in in many ways because it directly relates to where we are right now, what's going on and what's causing the negative things that we're seeing to to occur and and, and also there's a reflection in the book on, you know, what we might be able to do about it. Oh, good. And what, where do you feel? Like, do you feel positive about the changes that are happening? Do you feel like 
it's going to get really uncomfortable for a handful of years before we change or is it all dependent on just doing the vibrational work and the rest will fall away? Yes, 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 yes. I think all of those are, are, are possibilities. I think it is, is likely to get more uncomfortable for a while, but I think that when there's a breakthrough, it's going to be a, a very noticeable, decisive breakthrough. And um, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I, I follow various sources and I, I put together my own ideas for what might be happening or at least what my, what the plan might be. And uh, I think the outcome is going to be positive. I think there are many healing modalities out there, some of them technological-based, tech-based, some of them uh, just uh, human-based, you know, path of technology versus the path of nature. But in any case, things that can help people overcome some of this genetic damage and that kind of thing. So I, I think all is not lost and that there will be there will be a turning point and then things will happen really fast going in the opposite direction. Also, it seems to be to me a bit of a karmic reckoning or almost like a judgment day scenario in some ways. Yeah, I've seen that too. I mean, I've seen people that I, I feel, you know, have done a lot of work still, still struggle, you know, the saying mm -hmm. goes shit happens. You know, I mean, it does. I mean, I'm a believer in karma and I'm a, and I'm a believer in its opposite too. I think they're both going on. And uh, in the, the interior work, the internal stuff is, is in, incredibly important. There's also a, the communal nature of what's going on where we have abdicated our responsibility for taking care of ourselves and for governing ourselves and for being more conscious, aware people with a responsibility to protect our families, each other and the planet. So we've just given away all of our power for so long that a lot of the karmic reckoning is a group reckoning. So if we're part of the group, then we're caught up in that dynamic. Yes. Can you can you break away from the group by doing these sorts of DNA healing work that you're that's in the book? Yeah, I think I think all of the various modalities that are out there that that involve raising your consciousness and your vibration help you break out of the group mindset. I mean, if the world were destroyed tomorrow, would you be saved because you had done DNA activation? Well, probably not, unless you, you know, succeeded in maybe activating your light body and, and getting the hell out of here, right? That's just where we are right now. But in terms of making different decisions, seeing the world differently, having courage and that kind of thing, doing this type of work can be really beneficial. There's a piece of this work that has to do with what I call the fragmentary body. Uh, Eileen McCusick, uh, she calls it the slave yoke. She writes about that in her book on biofield tuning. Nice. She discovered it independently. And then when she discovered my work, she contacted me and we, we, we put our minds together a little bit. But this is this idea that the second chakra, the second ecosystem is this massive energetic liability that has, and it's rooted in shame. It's, it's basically in, in the Bible, it's, it's it, the story of the fragmentary body is, is kind of repeated in a certain way where the first thing, the opposite of love is not fear. The opposite of love is shame. And that when you experience shame, then you get fear. And that's what happens to Adam and Eve in the garden. They're fine until they experience shame and realize they don't have clothes on and then they freak out. So that's the fragmentary body in a nutshell. So this work, potentiation and regenetics are about sealing and healing the fragmentary body.
and removing the slavery yoke from our energy from our energetics so that we can become more powerful people well that's very very timely being that the the archon handlers have been using masks to make people feel ashamed absolutely to, to breathe and then that descends them into the fear states and we live in the politics of shame with all of this totally anti-human woke stuff that's been going on yeah it's oh, the God. politics of shame it's the weaponization of shame yes and that's why just getting along putting the mask on to just get in and out of a store is not really the best thing to do because there's a mechanism involved when you do that to yourself. To me, it's unconscionable. And I know that people have done things that they feel like they've had to do. But I, my question is, really, did you really have to do that? Yeah. Because every, every time you put a mask on, it, you move humanity one millimeter closer to absolute tyranny. I understand that people want to just get by and make it easy on themselves. But these are not times of making it easy. This is not about easy. We've had easy. Easy got us lazy and complacent and fat and and sloth-like, right? And that's yeah. not actually bringing us to any type of joy. Uh, we think that you know momentary thrill of, of dopamine is 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 joy, but that I don't think people really experienced true joy in in most of these last generations i think you're right we've, we've outsourced uh, our attention to these devices our consciousness is all over the place we're not in our bodies we're not with our friends or our families we're just isolated manipulable products in many ways and i think for at least for myself if i'm fortunate that i'm a creator that i love to create and i think that's helped me through a lot of this isolation and judgment and marginalization and discrimination and you know so forth that those of us mm. who refuse to comply you know, have been experiencing to some level i'd rather feel uncomfortable in a store where i'm being stared at uh, for not wearing a mask than succumb to that level i just there's no way that i'd have it in me to do it and maybe it's a frequency thing or maybe it's just who, how i'm built but if everyone just became a little more structured in themselves and brave, it would change so much. And it's a simple act that people can do immediately. Just throw it away and, and never comply again. And if they refuse you, then you don't go there or you find another way. Well, I totally agree with all of that. I haven't mm -hmm. worn, a mask the, worn a mask the whole time and I've certainly had some encounters. But I've gone beyond just not wearing a mask. I created a bunch of T-shirts that I sell on my on my uh, Redbubble account or in, in my Fine Art America account. And things like genetically unmodified human, unmasked lives matter. Your unscientific, your unscientific germophobia is a social disease. And I wear these always when I go out in the world. It's the living art, and that's uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to get some of your T-shirts because I really need some strong messages when i go out now and yeah uh, it's interesting i've gotten stared down by some people that i know that i was offending and i loved it i thought it was great <laughs> uh, and i've also had some people come to me and i've made connections and actually made some friends by having those t-shirts on because one of the problems with this whole scenario that we're living through right now is you don't you're like neo in the matrix and anybody can be an enemy that's right 
And so, and, and they probably are in many places, but, but you don't know who the friends are and, and the doing this kind of outward uh, civil disobedience helps you attract those people to you who are on the same wavelength. Yeah, absolutely. And there are more of us than many I think can imagine. I know there are a lot of people who are connected to others through the internet, but not locally, but believe it, there are more and growing every day because of the ridiculousness of it. What are your thoughts about, about how absurd it is? Because they don't hide what they're doing per se, and they're obscene with the confusion of what their decisions are for your health, right? So the say one thing one day and another the next. And now what's come out is all of those who've had double vaccines, they are breakthrough cases and they have more of a viral load than, than those who aren't. They have to stay masked. Do you think it's in part designed to try to wake people up in a sense? This is a, a really, really good question. I, I, I think there might be multiple things going on. I think some of the messages could be coming from white hats, uh, screwing around with people to a certain degree to try to wake people up. There could be factions within even some of these organizations that issue one one set of directives and then that gets corrected by another faction. So that's a possibility. There's also the idea that uh, has been discussed with uh, by some of the people I follow that the archons have actually been taken care of in some way. And now that leaves just their their human minions here. And it's like a chicken with its head cut off running around. They don't know what they're doing. They're, and they're giving all of these mixed messages. That's an interesting possibility. That would be a nice so, feeling to have that because I know there are a lot of people who speak like that and that from an energetic or a vibrational level, that makes a lot of sense because they, they're like, if you ever see Biden talk, that's what is going on there. There's not any co coherent sentence right right and and but but yet during the debates there was the eloquent biden relatively speaking right there was yeah. biden who could actually speak so i heard michael jaco who used to be in the cia you know he says and and i've heard other people say this that there are multiple bidens well we know they they used doppelgangers and i don't just mean that i mean there are multiple groups putting forth different bidens in different contexts and getting the information get for example biden goes into a store someone films him having a completely weird conversation with a store owner when he's buying some ice cream and then that's put out there on the internet and it goes viral when he's totally not making sense right mm -hmm. is that the good the bad guys putting it out or is that the good guys putting it out oh, man so so do, do, do they each have their bidens and they're, they're putting the information out into the channels that they control. Well, then that leads me to start thinking about what are your thoughts on the phenomenon called the Mandela effect and CERN manipulating our reality or trying to affect time and, and space and what happens and replacing things and changing things and making it kind of a, the reality a bit of a, a mess. Have you, uh, what are your feelings on, on that kind of a phenomenon? You know, I, I believe I believe some of those things are probably possible. Just looking at the reciprocal theory, which was this wonderful, wonderful physics created by Dewey Larson, this engineer back in the 1950s. And he's he's the first person who wrote about space time and time space being reciprocally related. So in that world, when you travel from 
our world into time space and then you move over there, you're actually, and you come back here, you've actually time traveled. So you, you perceive it as space when you're in time space, but what you're actually doing is moving through time. And when you come back, you've traveled. So, so there are def definitely different ways of manipulating that fabric. Mm -hmm. so I believe that. I also believe from a Gnostic perspective that, that it would be very hard to manipulate anything beyond the, the planetary mother's ability to stop or correct. Right. So there's a limit to what could be done. Yes. And there's the ability to undo all of it. Right. Yeah. Because she, she, and the, if, if she's real and I, I think she might be, she is a, she is a, an aeon, which is a godlike being in the Gnostic texts. So we're, we're talking about something way beyond, let's say the archons to use lesser science to achieve certain ends. It's funny because some days I'll wake up and I feel like I feel like I'm in a different world, you know, different pieces of news and different story. Like it's a very odd sensation that I haven't been able to really concretize, but it's a timeline shift feeling or it's going to be a good day today. We're going to have successes. It's a successful day energetically today. Oh, yeah, I have that, too. I don't necessarily I don't feel that I'm hopping in and out of timelines personally. I don't think there's that level of manipulation going on on any wide scale. Laura Walker's work in astrology, she is a Gnostic astrologer. And she she factors in something called the Eris point and the black moon. And so these are very important things. And she writes about the archons and all of this. She's fascinating. You can look, look up her work at oraclereport.com. Her stuff is really, really remarkably accurate, energetically speaking. And usually when you're having one of those weird days or those weird phases, it has something to do with the, either the black moon or the Eris point. That's fascinating because, again, that lines up with the, the flat earth model where there are two extra uh, dark bodies that are responsible for the majority of the eclipses and so forth. And that, well, that would, that would lend credence to that model. Absolutely. Because the black moon is, is very troubling to, to a lot of, uh, you know, rational folks because you can't put mm -hmm. your finger on what it is. Uh, it's explained in the, you were, you um, series of videos um, a little bit. It's the first I've ever seen of a real, working model of what that could be. The learning actually has been incredible. Um, I've never been thrown into so many topics so quickly in my life in this last year and a half. And the amount of reading and the amount of knowledge that comes at us is unprecedented. Oh, it's true. It's true. There, one of the interesting things going on, you know, I mean, I'm coming up with this book and I'm doing these interviews and that kind of thing. So I'm meeting these fascinating, really intelligent people and having these conversations. So I'm learning from these interviews all the time. But mm -hmm. that's happening with a lot of people in their own world, their own ways. People are encountering people of like mind out of necessity, out of desperation, out of panic even. Mm -hmm. and, and learning so much because the of being exposed to people who are on a different wavelength. It's almost like a fringe benefit. We're finding our tribes, we're finding our soul communities, we're being forced to reconfigure ourselves in many ways. Yeah, it's a massive, massive growth spurt and it's really powerful. It can be very tiring as well. I've had to actually try to restructure my life to just to pace myself with it. But again, it comes back to self-care, 
self-empowerment, self-love, body um, surfing, being in nature, grounding. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Now that's, that's what I'm getting at is that the unplugging is so important. And, and I think because we're so plugged in normally in this, in this, this technological world that we live in and because now our lives are on the line and we know that on some level, we're constantly plugged in. We're looking for news. We're hoping to have good news. We're looking at what's going on. We're, we're trying to be safe, but there's something to be said on a major level for just unplugging from all of that for little stretches of time and coming up for air. Yeah. I think that's a very powerful strategy that I would really encourage people to consider because I know the stress itself can damage your body considerably and lead to gut problems and, and I'm sure even DNA problems. <laughs> well, the microbiome and the DNA are so interrelated and there's so much of the DNA in the microbiome. So yes, absolutely. So we need to stop collaborate and listen. Well, we need to, we need to have some fun, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, it's like the apocalypse has multiple meanings and interpretations. And, you know, one of these things is that we're just going through this massive revelation. And I, I have a, I, I do a lot of surf body surfing. I'm really, I live at the beach and uh, I, I wrote an article years ago called uh, hanging 10 over the apocalypse. <laughs> Are all your articles on uh, which your soul Luckman website? Uh, they're at snooze, no, snooze. And then the number two awaken snooze to awaken.com. That's my blog. Okay, good. I'll have to put all these in the description so people can find all your prolific work. I really uh, commend you for everything that you've created on this in this realm and this in this dimensional time. And I I really am excited to complete the reading of the Potentiate book because this is down my healer avenue. Um, right, right. So I'm going to practice it as well, and I'll let you know how how that goes. Yeah, um, I would love to know. You know, if you have any questions, let me know. Absolutely. I, I may even consider booking a session so that I can experience it first without really getting too didactic with it because I get very geeky about these things. And then whatever else you've got coming up in the future. Well, I have this musings book that's going to be coming out in, in probably January. Right now I'm out West. I'm out in Taos, New Mexico, which is my old stomping ground. And I always get very artsy feeling when I'm out here and it makes me want to paint. So uh, I'm going to probably do a lot more painting when I go back. And I, I there's some stuff I want to work on in those ways. I've been doing a lot of portraits. My, my recent work has been a lot of uh, portraits of famous people. I've done Gandhi, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, I've done um, uh, Kennedy, Frida Kahlo, Brigitte Bardot, Serge Gainsbourg, all these people that I, Prince, uh, all of these people that I, I just find personally interesting for one reason or another. So I've been working on that, but I wanted to get back into some more Western landscape and shamanic work. My three of my paint, shamanic paintings are on the covers of uh, books on shamanism published by Inner Traditions. So I'm I'm really wanting to get back to that because it, when you come out here, it's just so strong. It's just palpable. Yeah, there are special places on the earth that seem to be portals or areas where you get new information. Because I know, and maybe that's why they don't want us traveling as well. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But I remember going to Sedona. I'm going there and next have, week. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Well, I camped out. I went for a Wilson temperature syndrome uh, conference. It's a very sort of rare thyroid disorder. And 
uh, I can't. And so I was, you know, sleeping right on the ground, essentially. And I was had all sorts of mystical experiences there, um, meeting other beings, uh, different languages. I mean, it's a powerful place, uh, not to be underestimated. Sure. I mean, there are actually vortex tours and that kind of thing, which, I, you know, is trippy and amazing that that even exists. But I've lived well, in some very, very power, energetically powerful places. I mean, Taos has this thing called the Taos Hum. And no one's ever been able to figure out what, what the heck that is. And then you've got the, the Pueblo. I'm just right across from it right now. And it's just amazing energetically. There's the Sacred Mountain and the, the river flows down. The Rio Pueblo flows down through the town. And it's just, a, just an amazing thing. And then there's um, Asheville, North Carolina. I spent a lot of time there. And there's just a tremendous amount of energy there. Some of it's been corrupted by, uh, you know, by politics these these last uh, few years, but uh, it's still an amazing place. Even just the, the fact that the trees will twist like that in vortex energy, I mean, that's evidence of something powerful going on there. No joke. It's amazing. It's also evidence of torsion energy. And this is also what creates DNA. You take the energy and you spin it in a direction and then you materialize it and you get spirals. Just like Victor Schauberger, you know, realized of water. Just like water Schauberger. Yeah. Yep. And then you can relate that to Emoto's work and, and, you know, the energy in water. And you've got Tom Cowan doing a lot of interesting work on, on uh, water and DNA and the circulatory system. It's all fascinating. It's like this massive body of interrelated work. You, at some point, you begin to realize, oh, my God, it really is all connected. And it all wants to flow, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I think that's ultimately why we win, if you want to look at it that way. Because they want There's it structured. Yes, yes, yes. That's not nature. That's not reality. That's a pipe dream. Exactly. And that's what I often say. I say is despite the AI, the robotic weirdness, the ugliest buildings you'll ever see. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That shit won't last because it is not nature. It's not the fundamental principles and laws of this place. And they cannot, they will not have longevity in that regard. So. I agree. I agree. It's almost just, it's bound to fail. It's bound to break down. And I think that all of these, this incredible, it's like with teenagers, right? You try to suppress and repress and oppress, right? And yeah. everything you want them not to do or not to be able to do is what they end up doing. And that's what they're doing with us as, as you know, the peeps here. They're, they're really clamping down, trying to put us in these little boxes. And when we explode out of there, we're going to destroy everything. That's why I called my book Callie the Destroyer. We're going to destroy everything they built. That's right. Yeah. Just by the sheer law of this place. It's the same yes. thing with health. You can't keep suppressing the, the body with endless drugs and, and devices and so forth. The body will always have a workaround on some level. It will always find a different way to express itself. You can't, you can't end that. It doesn't, it's not this place. That's right. That's right. And it, so people need to think about that even in relation to what's going on with these vaccines is that, you know, okay, we're dealing with a spike protein that is a web, weaponized toxic protein of some kind. It's not a, it's not a, communicable thing in the in the in the germ theory way but it's a problem but that doesn't mean it can't be dealt with well the main issue is that they they've really gave given us a side project that oh here look there's a virus and here's a spike protein here's the problem but they're not 
giving us an antidote to a fake virus. They're giving us the graphene oxide to try to get us into their little AI world, their little right. five dingy thing. And I think they're trying to tinker with our genetic material to, in hopes, because I don't think they've got it sorted out, but in hopes. I don't hope, either. I don't either. You know, like that maybe they, they could try to find one of us that it works on and then they could take that person and genetically, you know, clone them or some kind of, they're, they're just, they're weird. They're, they, yeah. And they're, they're grasping. I, what I was trying yeah. to say is that you've got the graphene oxide and then you've got the spike protein, which are two different things happening in the vaccine. There is no virus. Yes. Nothing's no being communicated that way, but there's some kind of weaponized protein that has a negative effect, especially on the circulatory and reproductive systems, apparently. Well, and then this graphene oxide stuff that is, is really, really nasty. That's, uh, yeah. you know, these nanoparticles and who knows, you know, what's going on down at the nano level entirely. Well, think about damaging the, the blood the way that these things do, right? I mean, they make, if you look under live blood cell microscopy, the blood cells themselves, the erythrocytes, will become spiky. They'll actually have spikes on, on them. Yep. And that has to be healed or broken down by the body. So naturally there's gonna be all kinds of proteinaceous wastes uh, causing, you know, uh, deterioration in the system from just the damage to the cells alone and, and the way that they are so inflammatory. Right, because then you get the body kind of attacking itself, which is the classic autoimmune model. And I know that, I know that like Don Lester and David Parker are out there saying there is nothing, there's no such thing as autoimmunity, but when the body does go after itself, trying to heal itself and it ends up hurting itself, that's a good definition of autoimmunity in my book. I think it just comes down to to the terminologies and what we're just what it means, right? I think that's the argument. It's just that yes, it's attacking itself, but it because it has to because there's so such a level of toxicity going exactly, on. Exactly, exactly. And so, in, so in, just in prying that stuff out of the cells, for example, yes, there's damage. You're automatically going to create damage. Right. And it's not attacking itself because it's confused in the sense it's being bad. You're bad. You're attacking yourself. No, it's doing it because it absolutely fundamentally thinks that that is the right thing to do because it's so toxic at that level. The cell's got to go. All the yeah, tissues It's a diabolical go. choice. Either I do nothing yeah. and we die or I do something and maybe we live. Right. Exactly. I think it's just around the word, the terminologies. And I think we're going to coming back to dictionaries. I think we're going to have to rewrite a lot of the language. Um, going forward. Um, oh, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, certainly from a scientific perspective, we're, we're lost or, you know, we, you know, we're, we're going to be back to, uh, you know, I think it was Jonathan Swift who wrote about, you know, certain very materialistic philosophers who had given up on language. And so rather than have language, they just carried around these huge sacks of things. And when they met each other, they would just pull out things and that's how they would communicate. I like that idea a lot. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> we should start a movement. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's wonderful. I think that's a wonderful place to just start to wrap up our talk. Um, this has been really lovely, and I really uh, admire uh, your all of the things you're doing, but also the fact that it's it's so refreshing to have an intellectual conversation. And and you know what, guys? It's okay to have differences of, of opinion and all that. It doesn't matter. We're all coming to the same conclusions, and we're all learning and, and, and gathering truth and expanding our consciousness and our soul force and healing. And I mean, we just, we're of that, 
reality that we're we're the future, you know, of this place at this point. Those of us who are doing this kind of work. So we're just gonna collaborate, support each other, and love one another. And um, if you have anything else you'd like to just wrap up on, Sol. Oh, I just had a joke that, you know, I uh, mean, if we, if we all agreed on everything and we're absolutely boring in that way, we would be liberals. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, I'm, I'm glad that we don't agree on everything. We shouldn't, you know, we, we should be allowed to disagree. We should be allowed to, to disagree vehemently. And, uh, you know, and work it out, you know, if, if, uh, if we can, and if we can't go our separate ways. But I think uh, having a, the ability to, to disagree and to live with those differences and, and maybe at some point in time reconcile those differences or change our minds and say I was wrong, you know, which I've done right. many times in my life, especially in relationships. Um, <laughs> we, we need all of that to feel truly alive and, and progressive in the in the real sense of that word like we are progressing our consciousness that's what needs to progress that's it that's the foundation and if we can honor that we've succeeded already in earth school and in our lessons here so i'm uh, i'm overjoyed at this conversation thank you so much soul you've been a joy um and me too I, thanks for having me on it's been wonderful yeah, well, I appreciate uh, your time and your energy and all of your creations in this place. And let's keep in touch. And uh, and we, when you have that new book launch, maybe we can focus on that one in another another talk. Yeah, I'll send you one. Oh, thanks. Great. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, you can join Yummy.Doctor. That's my um, register site for all the new membership stuff coming up. And all of my videos are there. This video will be on Yummy.Doctor. Uh, put it up on BitChute. I don't know about YouTube. I don't know if they deserve this, and but maybe library or any of the other places. So stay tuned and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye for now.